This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Thursday. Yes, I know. I came on a little late tonight. Also, it's incredibly bright in my living room. Do you want to know why? I can't change my fucking lights right now. Hey, Google. She can't connect to the internet right now because five minutes before I was set to hit the stream button, I get a knock on my door and it's the tech from my ISP. They were here earlier today. They criticized me for the connections. They said, like, the, the, the plate was loose on the wall. They're like, well, that might be causing it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't think that's it. I think you should uh, replace my modem. And he's like, well, I don't have one on the truck. I'll have to come back later. I figured later would be, you know, mid-afternoon. I even told him, I was like, hey, you know, if you got something else to do, don't worry about it. You know, you know come back whenever. No, no, he comes back five minutes as I'm sitting here getting ready to hit the stream button right as he knocks on the door. So I had to switch out the modem. My phone doesn't work. All my, my like, all my shit that was connected to it doesn't work. So I'm going to have to change the password. Well, I could use a light switch to turn the lights off. I can't use a light switch to make them turn, you know, green or blue. Or make them flash and do crazy things. You know what I'm saying? I believe somebody commented on my lighting last night. Said I had it down pat. I think so too. My lighting always looks good. Fantastic show for you tonight. The White House is telling agencies to brace shutdown. Bernie Sanders has a lot to say about this. We're also going to hear from Bernie Sanders on the reconciliation bill. Geraldo and Greg Gutfeld got into a fight on air. That's going to be a lot of fun. The first subpoenas from the January 6th committee, which like breaking was in like the last hour. The first subpoenas have been issued One of them is to Steve Bannon. A warrant has been issued for Brian Laundry. Apparently, he committed bank fraud or some shit. The right is celebrating a wrestler. But it's not like CM Punk or Daniel Bryan or Kenny Omega, you know, Twinkle Toes, McFinger Bang. You would think if Fox was celebrating something, it would be that 30-minute time limit draw between Kenny Omega and Daniel Bryan that I watched right after I got off from the stream last night. That was spectacular. Everything on that card was spectacular. I'm sorry, Warlord. I I don't know when AEW airs there. I hope I didn't spoil anything for you. It's definitely worth a watch. A cop in Alabama has told a woman to go back to her trash, and we got it on camera. Was excessive force in an arrest in Texas. A judge has given half of the bail back to Brett Hankinson, 
one of the cops charged in the Breonna Taylor case, not charged for Breonna Taylor's death, but in relation to Breonna Taylor's death, Trump is on a rampage. He's just attacking every Republican he can. He's mad at Mitch McConnell. He's mad at Kevin McCarthy. He's mad at Brian Kemp. He's mad about George W. Bush. I'm here for it. I love it. Plus, Mary Trump is going to tell us who the dumbest member of the Trump family is. It's actually not Donald. Oh, well, I guess it is Donald. Just not, just not the big guy. The White House is indeed suspending horses. Plus, we're going to hear from Representative Rashida Tlaib about the treatment of Haitian migrants. Well, the special envoy to Haiti has resigned in protest. But we're going to start off tonight with the office of management and budget. Is that what OMB stands for? Did I get the acronym correct? Office of Management and Budget, yes. Has told agencies to start planning for a possible government shutdown with the threat of a government shutdown just seven days away. The White House is formally urging federal agencies to prepare for the possibility of a lapse in appropriations. I don't actually have any Dan Crenshaw today. But, but if, if I had Dan Crenshaw on the show tonight, you know what I would say? I would say that I would give anything in the world to piss in his open eye socket. Honestly, I'm afraid I'm doing this one too much now. I'm going to wear that shit out. Bernie got incredibly upset about the games Republicans are playing with the debt ceiling. Let's hear from him. Mr. President, as chairman of the Senate Budget Committee, I want to say a few words about some of the important uh, budgetary issues that Congress uh, is now facing. Uh, I want to focus on the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, Uh, but before I do that, I want to comment on the looming debt ceiling crisis that we face. Uh, Mr. President, Republican leader Mitch McConnell this morning once again reiterated that the Republican Party will not vote to lift the debt ceiling and in an extraordinarily irresponsible manner, Republicans have indicated that they will not pay the debts that they incurred under the Trump administration. In his statement, as he has done time and time again, Senator McConnell implies that this debt ceiling has something to do with future spending. Does not. Does not. Like anyone who owns a credit card. But, 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 Republicans know this. Mitch McConnell's a smart man. He knows this. But his voters are morons. The Republican Party preys on the ignorance of their followers. The payments that are made are for past spending. In this case, spending incurred 
under the Trump administration. And let us be clear. But my my internet technician decided he was going to take some shots at Biden while he was here. And we got into a discussion about the debt. And I said, every Republican president in my lifetime has ballooned the debt. He's like, well, Trump didn't do it. And I was like, Trump added $7 trillion to the debt. It was, it was 20, $20 trillion when he came in. And it was uh, uh, $27 trillion, $28 trillion when he left. He's like, well, we'll just have to disagree about that. Agree to disagree. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's no agree to disagree. You made a truth claim. I am correct, and you are not. States. He didn't like that very much. The economy in the world defaults. He started talking to me about wrestling because he saw Daniel Bryan on the... Brian Danielson, that's going to take some fucking getting used to. But the entire global economy into what could become a severe economic depression. I think they're banking on it. They are wanting to wreck the economy, blame it on Biden, take over, and then shovel as much money as they can at their fucking crony business partners. I think that's their plan going forward. Massive unemployment, higher interest rates, severe reduction in government services, and possible cuts in such programs as Social Security and Medicare. The irresponsibility of the Republican leadership is not just something that I worry about. According to press reports, former Republican Secretaries of State, uh, Secretaries of Treasury, Hank Paulson, who worked under George W. Bush, and Steven Mnuchin, who worked under Donald Trump, Republican secretaries... Even Mnuchin is on the right side on this one, really. ...visited with Senator McConnell to make the case about the need to extend the debt ceiling. They understand, as I think all of us do, how important it is that the United States of America does not default on its debt, and it is about time that my Republican colleagues listened to them. One week, it's the final countdown. About the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. We're going to get to that here in a little bit. Bernie was actually on CBS this morning. We're going to watch that interview. But continuing on with the shutdown, Dr. Anthony Fauci says this is the worst time in the world for a government shutdown because we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Lawmakers in Washington, D.C. have just one week to avoid a partial government shutdown, and Dr. Anthony Fauci is worried. The worst time in the world we want to shut down the government is in the middle of a pandemic where we have 140,000 people a day getting infected and 2,000 people a day dying. Fauci, the director of the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and a top White House health advisor, speaking with the Washington Post early 202, added that this is a time when you want the government working full blast to address this. Now, they they haven't been working full blast to address this. He added that he believes a shutdown would have a profound effect and should be avoided if at all possible. Oh, Toads, I'm sorry. Um, the 
internet technician that was supposed to switch out my modem, he came right at 6.55 when I normally hit the stream button. Knocked on the door right as I was getting ready to go on. He switched out my modem, so that, that put us behind like 20 minutes, and that's why my lights are not like a cool color. Because I changed them to white so he could see to change out the modem, and then I, you know, I can't do any... Hey, Google. You can connect to the Wi-Fi network right now. Shut up. You're also facing a shortage of teachers. The COVID-19 creates a dire U.S. shortage of teachers and school staff who couldn't have possibly seen this coming. Not only because they don't want to put up with the bullshit of the parents that are bitching about everything from anal sex, critical race theory, and most certainly masks. My internet technicians did not have masks on when they came to my door. They went and got their masks out of their van. And I certainly gave them down the road for it. I I enjoy my Google Home. I I like I'm I'm not simping for any company or anything. I en- I enjoy now people that come over Sparkles has gotten used to it. She didn't like it at first. Now she's like saying all kinds of things to the Google when she's in there taking a piss. She makes it sing to her and shit. <laughs> it's crazy. I I enjoy it. I like having like when I go to bed, I tell it lights out and boom, the TV turns off, my phone goes on, uh do not disturb, all the lights go off. The Google automatically sets its volume down to where my neighbors can't hear it. It's like, it's really sweet. I used to be able to tell it, like, you know, if you tell it good morning, it'll like read me the news and shit, but I don't use that very often. I had it set up to where it would do like my playlist when I get in the shower, but you can't make it do like random songs. So it was always the same song every day on the playlist. Fuck you, Google. But yeah, I, I, I fucking love... And they're great speakers, too. Like, this little motherfucker sitting over here in my kitchen is loud as fuck. I'm not simping for Google, but the Home Assistant. Whatever brand you choose matches up with your lifestyle. I got the Google because I have Android phone, Google accounts. Like, you know, didn't even have to really set anything up to where, like, it, it puts shit on my calendar for me. Uh, there's a there's a movie, a documentary by Vice. Uh, I think it's called The Third Industrial Revolution. This was about four or five years ago, maybe. Maybe a little less. And it, it really convinced me, like, in order to take the next step in our technological evolution... We have to start feeding our data. We have to give up our privacy and feed our data back in order to get the most out of healthcare. We need to be able to feed them our health data back. And that would make things like contact tracing in a pandemic so much easier. 
Because, like, I was a traveling photographer in the mid-2000s. GPS was shit back then. That's I know how to read an atlas because of that. But to see where GPS has come at this point now, holy shit. Like, it used to tell me to go on roads that didn't fucking exist. But now, it can tell me to the fucking second how long I'm going to be stuck in traffic. It's insane, and it's because all of our phones are feeding the data back up into the system. So we haven't even realized the possibilities. So like, Because I used to be very hardcore, like, not give up my privacy person. Like, I would turn off any kind of privacy setting, but now I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. Take my fucking data. I've, I've, I've really got nothing to hide. Well, when the, when the internet tech came in, I actually, my tray of paraphernalia was indeed sitting out. He had to have seen it. I stealthily put it under the desk as he was working on the modem. <laughs> Eventually, the, the Googles are going to be teaching your kids. That's that's how it's going to work. Because, good Lord, we're running out of teachers. One desperate California school district is sending flyers home and students' lunchboxes telling parents it's now hiring. Elsewhere, principals are filling in as crossing guards. Teachers are being offered signing bonuses and schools are moving back to online learning. I don't know why they didn't just do this year, this year anyway. We could all see this coming. I was talking about this on the show in like July. How are they going to have schools open? There's just going to be this like stop and start. That's exactly what's happened. We have lost so many teachers. We've lost students. Students are dying. Not to mention the like fucking insane school shooting. We've got several shootings we're going to talk about tonight. One in a Kroger outside of Memphis, Tennessee. But, like, why would teachers want to put up with this for the shit pay? Now that schools have welcomed students back to the classrooms, they face a new challenge, a shortage of teachers and staff, the likes of which some districts say they have never seen. It's going to get worse. Public schools have struggled for years with teacher shortages, particularly in math, science, special education, and languages. They've got plenty of PE slash coach slash social study teachers. They just don't have the, you know, the three R's covered. But the coronavirus pandemic has exacerbated the problem. The stress of teaching in the COVID-19 era has triggered a spike in retirements and resignations. Schools also need to hire staffers like tutors and special aides to make up for learning losses and more teachers to run online school for those not ready to return. Teacher shortages and difficulties filling openings have been reported in Tennessee, New Jersey, and South Dakota, where one district started the school year with 120 teacher vacancies. Across Texas, the main districts in Houston, Waco, and elsewhere reported hundreds of teaching vacancies at the start of the year. Oh, also, remind me when, uh, if Adam pops in tonight, remind me to tell him that the Dixieland Proletariat podcast 
had an episode about Vosh. I think they dropped it today. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, but it was getting a lot of praise for just really uh, laying it to them and taking it down. I bet Adam would really enjoy. Because I'll totally forget. I'm not high enough for this shit. U.S. jobless claims rise 351,000 in a surprise jump. Jobless claims. These are first-time unemployment filers. Jobless claims. (laughs) Have rose. The number of Americans filing for first-time jobless benefits unexpectedly rose last week. Oh, maybe people are laid off, sick with the COVID? Labor Department said Thursday that 351,000 Americans filed for first-time unemployment benefits in the week ending September 18th, an increase from the previous week's upwardly revised 335,000 filings. Continuing claims for the week ended September 11th, jumped to the 2.8 million mark, worse than the 2.6 million that analysts were expecting. The prior week's reading was revised higher by 49,000 to 2.7 million finding, or filings. The increase in continuing claims came a week after the expiration of 300 per week benefits. So uh, it didn't force anybody to go back to work, did it, Republicans? And you're just inflicting undue harm on a population during a pandemic, might I add. Also, which is probably one of the reasons we are seeing a downturn in the economy. Because people don't have as much money to spend. They're also not going out because we're still in a pandemic. Watching your money. Joining me right now is Fisher Investment Senior VP of Research. This is Fox Business, so. Management President and. and, uh, Oh, boy. Of Wealth podcast host Ryan Payne and Morgan Stanley Wealth Management Senior Vice President of Investments. Jim I know that voice. This is Maria Bartiromo. Thanks for being here. Mike, kicking things off with you. We are looking at markets uh, pull back uh, from uh, yesterday's mixed performance. The Journal this morning is reporting that the U.S. economy is facing a slowdown in the month of September. Uh, St. Louis Federal Reserve President James Bullard is still pushing, though, for the Fed to dial back its pandemic stimulus program. This Dial back. Report. Have you seen any change? We need more stimulus. Oh, Maria, of course. I think that we were always headed towards a more moderate rate of growth than what people were thinking just a few months ago. This isn't necessarily... Sir, that camera angle is not flattering for you. This is about the global economy. Just consider what the markets have already anticipated in the summer. If you go back to the first half of this year, the big value cyclical reopening plays, they faded months ago. Growth stocks have been leading. That's a signal. Interest rates, which once many people thought were going to go sky high have moderated come back down. That's another classic signal. But the good news is the bull market can go on because historically there's not really a correlation between the rate of GDP growth and stock returns. So I expect volatility, but I think this bull can go on. This bull can go on. bull goes on as interest rates continue near rock bottom rates, Jim. The 10-year Treasury hitting 1.37% yesterday. That was the highest since mid-July. It is now hovering right around there. Your thoughts on what you're seeing in terms of rates, where you expect them to go, and the impact on equities. 
Uh, you really need to watch the 10-year Treasury yield here because uh, we have the taper right in front of us. And right now what we're seeing... I have no fucking clue what any of these people are talking about. What's up, Sparkles? As your previous guest said, as we've seen technology stocks rally, we've not seen the industrials, the materials, the, the, the banks haven't rallied as much. We haven't seen the hotels, the casinos rally as much. We've seen technology rally more. So this market is saying, well, of course, slow down. But the bond market is saying now that we've gone from one and a quarter to one point three seven percent, the bond market is saying we're either worried about inflation or two thirds percent chance or both. And if you remember back in the spring when the 10-year Treasury yield went north of 1.8%, the market had a real problem with that. So I think the market's going to be watching this 10-year Treasury yield very, very closely here. And if rates rise more rapidly, then... I have no clue what a Treasury yield is. Also didn't spell it right. Treasury yield is the return on investment expressed as a percentage on the U.S. government's debt obligations. Looked at another way, the Treasury yield is the effective interest. Now I gotta look up another fucking word. Sparkles, um, my tech just came. I had to switch out the modem. That's why everybody comes in like, why are your lights bright? The tech just came in and switched out my modem. Like, just a few minutes ago. Huh. And, uh, I can't connect to the internet to change my light color. I have to, I have to change the password and everything and fix, fix everything up. After the show. Because I was already late. Rate that. I thought this was some new word. Trying to understand finance is insane. I thought I was being a big boy. We're going to do some financial news tonight and talk about how the market's going to look. What the fuck? What the fuck are any of these people talking about? Looked at another way, the treasury yield is the effective interest rate that... Okay, okay, it was just a typo in this. <laughs> Fuck me. That the U.S. government pays to borrow money for different lengths of time. So it's what we're paying private banks in order to lend out money. So This is what the bankers make just to keep the economy going. That is the treasury yield. The market expects it is going to be an issue for the stock market, which is already seeing some divergences. Small caps aren't participating. Mid caps aren't participating as much. We're not seeing confirmation from emerging markets, not from international markets either. We've got a lot of money flows, a lot of dip buyers. But remember, we're still in that mid-July to mid-October time frame where the market typically gets more volatile anyway. So we still have this sort of dangerous, uh, more rapid uh, period in front of us while this taper talk is going on. So 10-year rates are going to be the, the key here. And right now, they're sort of flashing yellow. It's sort of a coughing canary in the coal mine. 
So, so then, Jim, would you want to pull in on, on growth? I mean, how do you want to allocate capital given these changes that we're seeing in the macro story and for rates? Yeah, so if you look at these large cap technology stocks that have really dominated the market for the last three months, they are very, very extended. Nothing is is very close to for This guy's the senior VP of investments at Morgan Stanley, so he's a douche. It doesn't necessarily mean that you sell them. What it does mean is that you'd be very, very careful buying them in here. And I do think you can start at some point looking at the economic recovery stocks and start a little bit more of a rotation back to those areas. But you'd want to see the whites of their eyes first. You what does any of this mean? <laughs> And they're not even talking about the government shutdown that is looming and the effect that that, that would have. Now, Business Insider is saying that the labor shortage is actually three mismatches between workers and employers. A family dollar briefly closed in Nebraska after its whole staff quit over high turnover and low wages. Hey, you know, that's a video that I had for... Not the dollar store, but I had a woman. Winning a Walmart over the PA system. A lot of people are telling their bosses to take this job and shove it. This woman did it over the PA at Walmart. I had this for the freak show, but then the freak show didn't happen. Attention, Walmart. Okay, her nails are fucking awesome. Attention, Walmart shoppers and associates. My name is Beth from Electronics. I've been working at Walmart for almost five years, and I can say that everyone here is overworked and underpaid. The attendant policy is bullshit. We are treated for management and customers poorly every day whenever we have a problem with it we're told that we're replaceable i'm tired of the constant gaslighting this company treats their elderly associates like shit. to jared our store manager you're a pervert greta and kathy shame on y'all for treating your associates the way you do i hope you don't speak to your families the way you speak to us shout out to Dominique, patty chardell and so many more walmart doesn't deserve y'all manage it and this job I quit you go girl that was awesome a family a family dollar briefly closed in Nebraska after its whole staff quit over high turnover and low wages a coffee shop owner in Iowa raised wages to $15 to lure in workers a burger chain owner says restaurants are in a bidding war for workers good it's called supply and demand. For its supply, the price goes up. This is a good thing. For the people. Seems like every day there's yet another story about the effects the persistent labor shortage is having on businesses. Ending federal unemployment benefits hasn't seemed to plug it up yet. It's actually having the opposite effect because it's taking money out of people's hands. 
In fact, letting those benefits lapse may actually deal a large blow to consumer spending and incomes, according to a report from the left-leaning Economic Policy Institute. There are three major disconnects that define this mystery, mystery around open jobs and why people aren't filling them. Economists call these mismatches, and they've been driving labor crunches for months. Number one, there's still a skills mismatch, and higher skilled workers might be filtered out. In June, the right-leaning Chamber of Commerce sounded the alarm on a skills gap, arguing for the need to invest in job training programs and equip applicants with the skills needed to fill open roles. Number two, people are moving and leaving open jobs. While big cities like New York and San Francisco may be on the rebound, people did move around within metro areas, and many don't want to start commuting again. In fact, they're making big investments in homes without factoring in commute time as much as pre-pandemic. Number three, workers have higher expectations and want more than what's available. What's available? These companies have all the fucking money. Do you want me to run down the profits? Of these major corporations? For four months now, workers have been quitting at record rates, even leisure and hospitality. The sector largely leading the recovery is seeing workers leave en masse and push up wages as employers get more eager to lure them back. In a survey of 1,800 unemployed job seekers by FlexJobs, 48% of respondents said they were frustrated with the search because they weren't finding the right positions and many were only finding openings for low-wage roles. A Burger King pay $30 an hour and you'll have plenty of people down there flipping burgers. Hell, I might even go down and flip some myself. How this shit works. But the labor shortage is so bad that us druggies have won a concession. Labor shortages are forcing several companies to halt drug testing of their workers. (laughs) Good. The great resignation is in full force with U.S. employees quitting their jobs at higher rates than ever before. 65% Yeah, Sparkles quit and was at a new job the next day. She was talking about her new job when we did the first freak show. She's at another job now. Apparently it's a dreamboat job. We'll we'll hear about that tomorrow evening. I can't wait to ask you about it. 65% of employees were seeking new roles in August, while Microsoft predicted that over 40% of Americans would leave their positions by the end of 2021. Now companies are desperate to win their workers back eradicating antiquated workplace protocols to ensure employees stick around. Some are pledging to create more flexible roles, while others offer their staffers extra weeks off to tend to their burnout. And things have since been taken a step further. Initially reported by Vice, some companies are opting to eliminate job screenings and drug tests in a desperate attempt to attract and retain in-demand talent. Hey, they don't they don't drug test in my field because if they did they wouldn't have anybody as I understand it that's the same way for coders too not a lot of places that are looking for coders drug test 
In Nashville, a third, a third of small businesses have reinstated their COVID protocols. Welcome back 612 right now. More small businesses are putting their own safety precautions. Good. The, the onus shouldn't be on them. The government should take that off their hands. It shouldn't be on the establishments to enforce that. And I feel sorry for the workers that are getting assaulted and harassed because of businesses trying to do the right thing. The latest COVID-19 surge and a new survey shows at least a third of owners across the country are following this trend to keep employees and customers safe. News Channel 5's Amelia Young joins us live from Midtown this morning. So, Amelia, what exactly do these changes look like? Hey, good morning, Amy. Well, small businesses have had to endure a lot throughout all of this, like you just said. And we know that um, while they're known as... They didn't have to. We could have done mortgage and rent freezes. We could have... their doors open. Now, among the safety measures, some businesses... Gave people monthly checks. As the Delta variant spreads, include limiting the number of customers in their store, requiring masks, and even going as far as requiring that both workers and patrons be vaccinated. The survey found... Good. Than 20 employees were the least likely to adopt and enforce certain requirements. In May, data shows only 15% of small businesses had voluntary restrictions in place, but as of August, that number rose to 37%. This all comes at a time where having a full staff continues to be a challenge. Around a, a third of small businesses have reported they're having a very difficult time keeping positions filled, creating a number of challenges for business owners. Back to well, now, apparently some businesses are going to start putting the vaccine in your salad dressing in order to make sure everybody gets vaccinated, or at least that's what General Michael Flynn thinks. <laughs> oh, my God. It real, I mean, I, I got to put, you know, somebody sent me a thing this morning where they're talking about putting the vaccine into salad dressing or salads. Have you seen this? Yes. Have you seen this? I mean, it's, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the bizarro world, right? This is. I am deep, deep, deep down the right wing rabbit hole. I follow a lot of crazy shit. I suffer through a lot of bullshit in order to bring you guys this show and to troll stupid people. That's a new one on me. I hadn't heard about that one. Vaccines in salad dressings. And I've heard some crazy fucking shit. You go over to Egoplex Media in the red light, you'll hear some crazy fucking shit. I've not heard vaccines in salad dressings. I feel like he made that up. Vaccine into salad dressing or salads. Have you seen this? Yes. Have you seen this? I mean, it's, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the bizarro world, right? This is definitely the bizarro world. So there's the seriousness of what this, what this professional realized he was doing wrong. And he, and he... <laughs> the deep state is going to put, is he wearing a shirt that says General Flynn? I mean, I get it, like he's a podcaster now. I get like, I wear my merch sometimes. God damn. You don't win wars with salad. You don't win wars with salad. Song from the Simpsons episode where Lisa turns vegetarian. 
That's a, uh, the pig flies through the air. It's just a little dirty. It's still good. It's still good. It's just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. This dude's fucking batshit. He was the national security advisor. <laughs> you know, he's found a new way. And then there's the, there's just the laughability on the other extreme that people are, I mean, these people are seriously thinking about how to impose their will on us uh, in, in our society. And it's, and it's, take away it your freedom of choice. They know exactly. better. It real. I mean, I, I got to put, you know, somebody sent me a thing this morning where they're talking about putting the vaccine into salad dressing or so be sure to check your salad dressings. Make sure they are vaccine-free. I'm glad I'm not on YouTube. That's one of those things that would get me pulled down off of YouTube. I'm I'm banned on YouTube right now for misinformation. That would have, that would have got me pulled down. <laughs> Oh, shit. So there's been a lot of talk about can vaccinated spread it just as easily as unvaccinated people. According to this article in the Atlantic, no vaccinated people are not just as likely to spread the coronavirus as unvaccinated people. For many fully vaccinated Americans, the Delta surge spoiled what should have been a glorious summer. Misunderstanding about the spreading among the vaccinated and the unvaccinated is born out of confusing statements from public health authorities and misleading media headlines. It is resulting in unnecessary fear among vaccinated people, all the while undermining the public's understanding of the importance and effectiveness of getting vaccinated. But let me make one thing clear, this author in The Atlantic says, Craig Spencer who is an emergency medicine physician and director of global health and emergency medicine at the New York Presbyterian Columbian University Medical Center. Let's let him make one thing clear. Vaccinated people are not as likely to spread the coronavirus as the unvaccinated. Even in the United States, where more than half of the population is fully vaccinated, the unvaccinated are responsible for the overwhelming majority of transmission. I I feel like vaccinated people aren't getting as sick and therefore they're not getting the breakthrough cases aren't getting reported as much. I understand why people are confused in April after months of public health experts cautiously promoting the merits of vaccination. CDC director Rochelle Walensky cited new real world data of the shots effectiveness to jubilantly proclaim that vaccinated people do not carry the virus. The CDC later walked back her comment. But headlines such as it's official vaccinated people don't transmit COVID-19 had already given many the impression that in addition to their remarkable protection against infection with the coronavirus, the shots also prevented them from passing the illness on to others. Scientists and researchers objected, warning that there weren't enough data to support such a proclamation. Their concerns were... Pescient, the uh, Delta variant first took hold early this summer and then quickly spread. Our collective relief turned into dejection. An outbreak in Providencetown, Massachusetts, in which 74% of the 469 cases were in the fully vaccinated, forced the CDC to update its mask guidance and issue a sad and sobering warning. Vaccinated people infected with the SARS-CoV-2 Delta variant can be just as contagious as unvaccinated people. 
In the aftermath of the Providence Town announcement, many who had gotten their shots were confused about what the new uh, what the news meant for them, especially when headlines seem to imply that vaccinated individuals are as likely to contract and transmit COVID-19 as the unvaccinated. But this framing missed the single most important factor in spreading the coronavirus. To spread the coronavirus, you have to have the coronavirus, and vaccinated people are far less likely to have the coronavirus. If this was mentioned at all, it was treated as an afterthought. Is this true? We quit. Like, I don't, like, this motherfucker is the expert. I don't want to question him, but we really quit keeping tally of anything other than hospitalizations in the vaccinated. Despite concern about waning immunity, vaccines provide the best protection against infection, and if someone isn't infected, they can't spread the coronavirus. It's truly that simple. Additionally, for those instances of a vaccinated person getting a a breakthrough case, yes, they can be as infectious as the unvaccinated. But they are likely contagious for a shorter period of time when compared with the unvaccinated, and they may harbor less infectious virus overall. That, I agree with, that makes total sense. But during the time that they are contagious, it would seem that they are just as infectious, which was his original point. By getting more people their shots is crucial for controlling the spread of the coronavirus. Every vaccinated person helps limit the virus's ability to hide, replicate, and propagate. Among the unvaccinated, the virus travels unhindered on a highway with multiple off-ramps and refueling stations. In the vaccinated, it gets lost in a maze of dead-end streets and cul-de-sacs. Ever so often, it pieces together an escape route, but in most scenarios, it finds itself cut off and its journey ends. It can go no further. This is borne out by recent data from New York City that show that more than 96% of cases are among the unvaccinated. But we're only counting people that are hospitalized. If they're vaccinated. Only 0.33% of fully vaccinated New Yorkers have been diagnosed with COVID-19. To highlight what this means in the real world, imagine two weddings with 100 guests, one where everyone is unvaccinated and another where all the guests are vaccinated. In the unvaccinated wedding group, the likelihood that at least one of the guests has COVID-19 is high. Similarly, everyone present is more susceptible and the virus will likely infect many others given the increased transmissibility of the Delta variant. The wedding with exclusively vaccinated attendees, however, the likelihood that anyone present has COVID-19 is minuscule. I mean, that's probably true. Even if someone present is infected, the likelihood that the other guests will contract the virus is similarly low, given the protection afforded by their shots. He's the expert, not me. I I shouldn't be questioning it. Alright, let's talk about the reconciliation bill and the bipartisan smaller bill That I, I, I wonder what Democrats are going to do. We've got seven days until a shutdown. And they've agreed to the tax framework of how to pay for the $3.5 trillion. But I am not sure 
that they have actually appropriated the funds properly. 11 senators support House progressives' push to pass a full Biden agenda. The rising uncertainty about the fate of the U.S. Senate-approved bipartisan infrastructure bill and the broader reconciliation package Democrats are crafting, 11 senators on Wednesday expressed support for House progressives fighting to pass both simultaneously. Senator's joint statement comes as Wall Street Democrats and corporate lobbyists are working to cut down or even kill the bill, the 3.5 bill. They want the smaller bill to pass. That's the leverage that progressives have. Senators Cory Booker, Kristen Gillibrand, Mazzy Hirono, Ed Markey, Jeff Merkley, Alex Padilla, Bernie Sanders, Brian Schatz, Tina Smith, Elizabeth Warren, and Sheldon Whitehouse noted in their new statement that Congress is on the verge of advancing the most consequential economic legislation since the New Deal. And it doesn't look like they're going to go anywhere because Bernie says we've already compromised enough. Bernie was on with CBS this morning. Fuck your ad. Whatever the brand is, I do not endorse it. Yes, get incredibly high before watching Danielson and Omega. You are going to love it. I don't know what you mean. You watched their entrances and it felt like something was off? Oh, oh, oh. you're not high enough for this shit. All right, here is Bernie Sanders on CBS this morning talking about the reconciliation package. Washington, where President Biden is pushing fellow Democrats to unite. I'm not high enough for this shit either. ...in his own party over domestic policy goals. Mr. Biden met with House and Senate Democrats yesterday to work on two very big pieces of legislation, a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill and a larger, about $3.5 trillion spending bill, social infrastructure it's been called. Two moderate Senate Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, say the... Not moderate. They are right-wing Democrats. Three and a half trillion dollar cost of that second bill is simply too high. Now, the bill cannot pass without their support. Senate Budget Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders joins us from Capitol Hill for an exclusive interview. He was one of the lawmakers who met with the president yesterday. Senator, good morning to you. Uh, your party's in a difficult spot right here. You've got uh, as much as four and a half trillion, all told, uh, that could go to the American people, everything from roads and bridges to child care and health care, and it's all held up. How'd that meeting go with the president yesterday? Listen, Tony, what we are trying to do is pass the most consequential piece of legislation for working families since the 1930s. What's happening in America, as I think most people know, is the very rich are becoming much richer while working families are struggling. And what we are saying is maybe, just maybe, now is the time for government to represent ordinary people, not just wealthy campaign contributors. And what we are... Seems like as good times ever. ...enormous opposition from the drug companies, because they don't want to have us lower the cost of prescription drugs. The healthcare industry surely does not want us to expand Medicare to cover dental, eyeglasses, and hearing aids. The fossil fuel industry doesn't want us to tackle climate change. This is a consequential and enormous struggle. We're going to win it. Well, well, See, Bernie is still confident. That has been my position all along. Is like, I'm trusting him. He seems incredibly confident that he is going to be able to pass this.
does, but you're also running into opposition within your own party. You've got at least two senators who say they will not vote for three and a half trillion dollars. Meanwhile, in the House, you've got progressives saying if that doesn't pass, they won't vote for the infrastructure bill and everything is in a standstill. Would you take less in the Senate? Tony, Tony, look, you know, we got 50 members of the United States Senate. Tony, Tony, Tony. Support from the Republicans who do not want to lower the cost of prescription drugs. They don't want to make community colleges tuition free. They want to give tax breaks to their billionaire friends. We got 50 people. We can't lose one. So what we are trying to do is negotiate. And I think at the end of the day, we are going to come up with an agreement. Now, you ask me about compromise. I have compromise. The bill that should have been passed, in my judgment, was a $6 trillion bill. If you take climate change into consideration, that's the kind of money that we need. We've already made a significant... Which fucking Joe Biden and Boris Johnson both postured at the UN about how climate change was this existential threat. We aren't doing enough to address it. Uh, Compromise. But, but, but would you consider yeah. a number less than $3.5 trillion? No. Nope. Look, we're talking about numbers. You tell me what we should cut. Tell the working families of this country that we don't need to make it make child care affordable. Tell the American people and the younger people that we should not address the crisis of climate change and try to save the planet. Tell- this man could have been president, but honestly, like him as budget committee chairman, he might be more effective in that role. Because he'd have to deal with an awful lot of bullshit if he was president. Whereas he he is getting down to the brass tacks and putting the budget together in his position in the Senate. As much as I supported him and wanted him to be president, it might have worked out for the best. But we, we need drastic action. Tell the homeless people that we should not build affordable housing. Tell the young people that we should not make community colleges tuition-free. All we are trying to do is address the crises facing working families and demand that the wealthiest people in this country start paying their fair share of taxes. They are fighting back big time. But at yep. the end of the day, I believe we're going to prevail. But we all- uh, No, we want more Bernie. Don't stop. But we all- What the fuck? My internet is just fine. I just got a new modem. I'm going to have to watch that fucking ad again, aren't I? Fucking shit. This has been a trying week for me. (laughs) I just had a lot, like, it hasn't been bad. It's just like I've had a lot of annoying shit. Oh, fuck your ads for memorial health care systems, which that's why they buy ads so that they can uh, they can influence the coverage. And that's why you're seeing the pushback from the reporters on Bernie. But it gets to the point that you have to get things done. So what are you willing to do? What have you said to Joe Manchin? Have you been talking to him? Look, there's been an enormous amount of discussion. Let me repeat. I originally, and what the overwhelming majority of members of the Democratic caucus want, is a $6 trillion bill. We have already made a significant compromise. Now, the president is, I was in the White House yesterday, the president is doing a, a, a very good job trying to bring people together. We will see what happens. 
But right now, that's that's that was his selling point. And finally, finally have the guts. He can get shit done in the Senate. Who have so much power in this country? But, but Senator, if you're here today saying you're not willing to take less than three and a half trillion, it right, sounds like it sounds like this is not going to happen. No, you know, let me re, let me rephrase your question, Tony. Poll after poll tells me and tells you that what we are trying to do is enormously popular. Every single issue has widespread support, not only from Democrats, but from Republicans and independents. And I think maybe it's time that we stood up for the working families of this country and not from the, for the drug companies and the health insurance industry. And yes, the- yes, yes. So that's the fight we're in now. At the end of the day, I think we're going to succeed in passing an enormously important piece of legislation for working families. Senator, you're mentioning working families. Uh, We're a week away from the government shutting down, which means hundreds of thousands of government workers will not get paychecks during a pandemic, which has already rocked our country. Yes, yes. What does the situation look like in the Senate averting the government shutdown? That Mitch McConnell's an asshole. Obviously, nobody wants a shutdown. But once again, I hope people appreciate we are getting zero support. We got 50 members of the Democratic caucus, 50 members of the Republican caucus. We're getting zero support. And at this point, although I suspect they will change their mind, you don't have you have a Republican leadership not helping us even deal with the debt, with the uh, raising the debt ceiling, which would plunge the entire planet into an economic uh, depression. So, you know, we have we have a hands full here with important issues. At the end of the day, I think we will uh, succeed. I trust you, Bernie. Frustrating place right now on Capitol Hill. Let, let's yes, talk is. about it seems so. <laughs> Let's talk about police reforms. It didn't pass yesterday, despite enormous effort. That sucks. Effort. You had Tim Scott, Cory Booker. Because believe me, I'm going to show you videos. It's going to make you say we need police reforms. Working on it. Okay, seemed to have no, momentum Gail, after the death of George Floyd. Gail, you talk about enormous, pass. enormous bipartisan effort. That's not true. I mean, let's be clear. You got a Republican Party, which has become a right wing extremist party. Cory Booker has done a great job trying to bring people together on basic fundamental issues of police reform. We have gotten virtually no support from Republicans. And I hope people understand this. The Republican Party right now is giving us zero support in taking on the drug companies, giving us zero support in terms of raising the debt ceiling, zero support in terms of trying to prevent a government shutdown. Not only zero support, they are actively working against all of those things, Bernie. Believe me, I follow them on social media. You're, you're right, you're right, you're right, Senator. Tim Scott doesn't really represent enormous uh, Republican right. support. You're right about that. But the fact is, you did have senators on both sides trying to make a deal. It did appear to have momentum, some kind of momentum, after the murder of George Floyd. And if you can't get it passed after something as horrific as that... When the Democrats are in control of the Senate. Well, tell them to watch my show and you'll be wanting to pass it. What will it take to get police reform Gail, in this country on a federal level? Yeah, let's yes, be sir. clear about it. You know, we didn't talk even about voting rights. All right. We didn't talk about the Republican effort in Georgia and Texas and other states to deny people the right to vote. Most often people of color, young people, people with disabilities. Yes, the Democrats have the majority. We have control over the Senate, but it's a 50-50 vote. Often you need 60 votes to get things done. Yeah. We're getting zero cooperation from Republicans on major issue after major issue. All right, Senator Sanders, it's always a pleasure uh, speaking with you. You uh, do not hold I, I don't know that it seemed like a 
a pleasure for you guys to talk to him. A house bill would blow up the massive IRAs of the super wealthy. I am here for it. The proposed reform stems from a ProPublica story that detailed how PayPal founder Peter Thiel had amassed $5 billion tax-free in a Roth IRA. If the bill passes, Roth accounts would be capped at $20 million for high-income individuals. Legislation currently making its way through Congress would take a sledgehammer to the massive individual retirement account built up tax-free by a select group of the ultra-wealthy. The proposal, which is part of the infrastructure and tax package advancing in the House, targets the jaw-dropping IRAs accumulated by multimillionaires and billionaires such as tech investor Peter Thiel which was first reported by ProPublica earlier this year. Those accounts, Teal's alone was worth $5 billion in 2019, have allowed some super-wealthy Americans to turn their Roth IRAs, tools meant to incentivize middle-class retirement savings, into supersized tax shelters. Proposed reform put forward by House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal would effectively cap the total amount someone could hold in a Roth at $20 million. Still seems a little high. Why not like $5 million? And it would compel the holders of the giant accounts to withdraw anything over that limit. Separately, individuals would have to add up the balances of their retirement accounts, including Roth, traditional IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, and every year withdraw half of any amount over $10 million. The provisions would only apply to individuals with taxable income of over 400000 or couples making over 450000 But hey, it's, it's not all good things from the Democrats. And they get bitched about when they need to be bitched about. House Democrats have now introduced a $1 billion standalone bill for Israel's Iron Dome. We went over the progressives stripping the money from the bill yesterday. Speaker Pelosi wanted a standalone bill, so we got a standalone bill. House Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Rosa DeLauro on Wednesday introduced standalone legislation that puts $1 billion towards Israel's Iron Dome air defense system a day after House Democrats removed the provision from a government spending bill following a pushback from some progressives. The funding is intended to go towards replacing Israel's missile inceptors, which other House Democrats called for following a violent conflict between Israel and Hamas earlier this year. Now, let's hear from my Wafu about why that's a bad idea. Representative Rashida Tlaib. The gentlelady from Michigan is recognized for one minute. Thank you so much, colleagues. I rise in opposition to this supplemental. I will not support an effort to enable and support war crimes, human rights abuses, and violence. We cannot be talking only about Israelis' need for safety at a time when Palestinians are living under a violent apartheid system and are dying from what Human Rights Watch has said are war crimes. We should also be talking about Palestinian need for security from Israel. They have killed doctors. They have killed children indiscriminately. And like I had people dispute this. No, no, no. I cited the Doctors Without Borders. I I cited the UN. I'm like, you can't dispute this. 
Israeli attacks. We must be consistent in our commitment to human life, period. Everyone deserves to be safe there. The bill claims to be, quote, a replenishment for weapons apartheid Israel used in a crisis it manufactured when it attacked worshipers at one of the most holiest Islamic locations, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, committing, again, numerous, numerous war crimes. And yet, a $1 billion in American tax dollars that my colleagues want to give represents, to me, an absurd and unjustifiable 140 times increase to U.S. funding for the Iron Dome. I firmly believe our country must oppose selling weapons to anyone, anywhere, without human rights law compliance. The Israeli government is an apartheid. I, I, I go further than to live there. You had it right without the, the human rights compliance. We shouldn't be selling weapons to anyone. Pretty simple. Not my words, the words of Human Rights Watch and Israel's own Human Rights Watch organization, Ben Salem. I urge my colleagues, please stand with me in supporting human rights for all. I yield. Mr. Speaker, I yield myself as much time as necessary to respond to this. Tom is recognized. Let's hear it then. Speaker, the truth has finally come out on the floor of the House of the United States. Of America. I heard some of my Democratic colleagues stand with me, with Israel, with our ally, to fight terrorism with a defensive weapon system. And what did we just hear? We heard the. De- no, 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 not fight terrorism. It would be helping terrorism. That's, that's, that's what Representative Talib laid out. Don't make me go grab the statistics. Democratic Party speak out. We heard right now from my colleague across the aisle with a shocking statement. She opposes this because they have a vocal minority in the majority party that is anti-Israel, that is anti-Semitic, and as Americans, we can never... That is anti-war crime. ...stand for that. I grew up with Holocaust survivors. I grew up with children of Holocaust survivors. Israel has been attacked and attacked and attacked since its inception. As Americans, I beseech you, I reach out to the majority and I say, condemn what we just heard on the floor. Fuck you. I condemn you, bitch. This is a defensive weapon system. Stop playing your procedural. You can't call it a defensive weapon system. You just saw 79% of the killings since 2000 have been Palestinians. Let's combat anti-Semitism wherever it is in the world, whether it's in the United States, whether it's from terrorism. I am shocked, Mr. Speaker, with what I just heard. I asked the majority... No, you've got faux outrage, and you're calling it anti-Semitism because you think you can get away with it. Because most of your followers are conservative Christians, and they think Israel being a state will bring Jebus back. That's all it is. And there is a coalition of right-wing Jewish people that take advantage of that for the tourism industry in Israel.
as on one of these stories earlier today, somebody pointed out, and most Jewish people in the United States vote Democrat. Yes, that's very true. They do. Because most Jewish people in the United States are not Zionists. Now, I predicted it last night. We all knew it was coming. General Mark Milley will testify next week about the Afghanistan pullout, the call with the Chinese Defense Secretary. Several Republican senators have requested more time to question General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and military leaders when they appear before a congressional panel next week. The hearing is scheduled for September 28th. Totally going to live stream that. We are watching that. It'll be the first time lawmakers will publicly question Milley over President Joe Biden's bungled Afghanistan withdrawal. The committee will also hear from Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and General Kenneth McKenzie of U.S. Central Command. Of course, senators like Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley, and Tommy Tuberville are going to make a show of it. They're going to try to get all kinds of sound bites. But if you guys will remember the last time, like, Ted Cruz tried to come for General Milley, it didn't go too well for him. And that's why I really want to watch this hearing. Move on to the border. U.S. Special Envoy to Haiti has resigned over the migrant expulsions. Biden administration's special envoy to Haiti has resigned in protest of inhumane large-scale expulsions of Haitian immigrants or Haitian migrants to their homeland as is racked by civil strife and natural disaster, U.S. officials said on Thursday. Daniel Foote appointed uh, to the position only in July following the assassination of Haiti's President Jovenel Moise. Even before the migrant expulsions from the small Texas border town of Del Rio, the career diplomat was known to be deeply frustrated with what he considered a lack of urgency in Washington and a glacial pace of on efforts to improve conditions in Haiti. Foote was Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Oh, Foote wrote Secretary of State Anthony Blinken that he was stepping down immediately with deep disappointment and apologies to those seeking crucial changes. Now, the White House today announced that it was suspending the use of horses. They're still going to try to ship them all out if they can. White House confirmed on Thursday that U.S. Customs and Border Protection had ceased the practice of riding on horseback in the Del Rio, Texas area, where more than 12,000 Haitian migrants are camped out seeking asylum in the U.S., Secretary Jen Psaki said at a news briefing that Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas conveyed to civil rights leaders this morning. I always say his name funky. I'm sorry, like I put emphasis on it. Like, I don't know why I do it. It's just fun to say it. I always want to break out into Lady Gaga. I'm seeing on the stream. The Homeland Security Secretary conveyed to civil rights leaders this morning that we would no longer be using horses in Del Rio. A DHS official confirmed the temporary suspension of horseback units on a press call. The temporary suspension. 
interesting. Let's hear what Greg Gutfield and Geraldo have to say about the issue down at the border. Apparently, it got kind of heated. You know whose side I'm on. I'm going to root for Geraldo and his mustache. control what he actually calls a bridge because it's all under that bridge. But then again, he thought the Afghanistan withdrawal was under control. He thought the drone strike was under control. He thought inflation was under control. One thing... Boris Johnson said the Afghanistan withdrawal was a was a tremendous success. So fuck off, Gutfeld. We know that's under control. Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. He is under the control of the hard <laughs> left who are bent on remaking society. He is an empty vessel. Really? That's why you're seeing these consequences. The biggest point, though, to this hoax, okay? They're, the press and Jen Psaki is going after the Border Patrol for doing their job because Biden and the enabling media wouldn't do their job. I didn't know that chasing down and whipping migrants was their job. At Fox, of all these her- all this harrowing footage, nonstop footage, they had to wait for that one image, one singular image, as Chris Cuomo points out, so that they can manufacture a story out of one image. It's the consequences, though, of their own corruption. So what does that remind you of? It reminds you of the media and the Democrats ignoring... We watched the a video. There's a... Like... Last summer... All the way. That's weird. And all this right wing propaganda, they've been talking about this one image. We watched a video. I think it was, was it Al Jazeera that did the reporting? I don't remember now. We watched a video. Play the video, Gutfeld. It's weird. You guys, you were just bragging about how much video you have played of the border. You keep saying it's this one image. We watched at least a minute and a half of a video. Of the incident in question, where they're like grabbing the migrant and they're whipping them with the reins. Wait to the present time. All of our cities are degraded oh, into dangerous temples. Stop it, Harold. Let me finish. I, I, I let you talk for God knows how long. So instead, they just totally ignore the fact that we have rampant crime wave. Crime is going up. Homicides are up. But if there's this one singular image, one issue a police issue encounter that they can use because in that way they can, again, blame law enforcement and then pretend that they actually care about something. By the way, the whip story, finally, I love it as it falls apart. Play the video. The verbiage. So it went from whipping to wielding to whirling to <laughs> twirling to swinging. What's next? Conducting? I would love to see the conducting. Meanwhile, some hate. Yeah, there it is. They just played it. U.S. pilot injured three U.S. Uh, ICE officers. But is that behavior considered horrific? It's not because unlike the whip, it actually happened. Yeah. And then when they That's spin right. the whip like that, it's not a whip. But when they spin the rain like rains. that, it's actually designed to make sure that the people on foot. Well, that was if I thought Geraldo was going to get a retort there. Fuck you. Gutfeld. Another selective editing job by the right on the the Daily Caller. I didn't even let me respond to your lie. I don't even remember him saying that. Here's some more right wing propaganda. I want you to notice I Ryan Fournier, Fournier, whatever the however the fuck you say his name, posted this video on Rumble. About an unstable AOC breaking down in in bold letters, all caps, starts crying on the job with the caption in the description here. How is this woman fit for office? Now, 
This is like a 17-second clip. I've already watched this. Don't watch much of the, most of the things that we watch. By Mr. 17 seconds. Do you see what he's talking about? Like, is this anything like the description? On, on House Resident 483 Amendments, he votes nay. For what purpose? Did you, did you miss it? A unstable AOC breaks down and starts crying on the job. How is this woman fit for office? Now, in this 17-second clip, do you see what was described in the video? I inform the House that Ms. Lawson will vote nay. She hugged a colleague and took off her glasses. That's all, that's all that has, that is, that is right-wing propaganda. And I guarantee you, on his, on his page, where he posted this, I guarantee everyone is like, oh, it's a disgrace. She should be impeached. Here you go. Breaking. AOC breaks down in tears on the House floor. 4.3K people. What a great actor she is. This unstable woman is not fit for her job. If she can't cry on the border in front of an empty parking lot, let her cry in Congress. What crying? (laughs) And this person, oh please, she is a lying, manipulating drama queen. Who, who is lying in this situation and who is manipulating anything? The video was not what he said it was. That's how, that's how fucking easy it would be for me to be a right winger and make a shit ton of money. 4.3K likes on that. All this interaction, it would be so easy for me to sell out and become a right-winger. Because all you have to do is is selectively edit clips and, and tell people what they want to hear. Confirm the right-wing's bias. And, and, like, and it's the bias of the dumbest fucks walking the planet, by the way. Absolute fucking morons. You want to talk about crying? I bet Donald Trump is crying right about now. This is breaking news in like the last hour or two. January 6th committee subpoenas four of Trump's inner circle. The four will be commanded to produce relevant documents by October the 7th and appear for depositions the following week. The select panel investigating the January 6th insurrection is issuing subpoenas to four current and former top aides to President Donald Trump, including his most recent chief of staff, Mark Meadows. The committee issued its first subpoenas on Thursday to Meadows, former Pentagon official and longtime House Intelligence Committee aide Cash Patel, former top White House advisor Steve Bannon, and longtime Trump social media chief Dan Scavino. So things are starting to heat up, and you can tell it in Donald Trump's behavior. He is going wild about Kevin McCarthy and wanting to oust anybody who doesn't support him. 
Donald Trump is so eager to defeat five House Republicans who voted to impeach him that he is calling Kevin McCarthy to deny them help. I almost would rather have the Democrat win than those people, Trump said. Appearing on the John Frederick Show today, the former president got asked about a joint fundraising committee aligned with the House Minority Leader that supports five of the ten Republicans who voted to impeach Trump this year. There are a few of those candidates in very, I would say, blue areas. I almost would rather have the Democrats win, to be honest with you. Because we're going to win a lot of other seats. That's not going to be true. They may take the House, but it's not going to be by a lot. But my prediction is the more that Trump gets involved, the less likely it is for them to take the House. Fundraising notice online shows that the Joint Committee assists representatives Jamie Herrera Butler, John Katko from New York, Peter Meyer from Michigan. I've I've been trolling Peter Meyer's primary opponent, or at least one of the primary opponents. It seems like he's the most Trumpian. And he is a dumb fuck. I've I've quizzed him on the Constitution and he has failed. David Valdero of Valadeo. Valadeo, that's probably how you say it. And Fred Upton from Michigan, who all voted to impeach Trump. Going to see who McCarthy's funding. And if he is, I'll stop the whole deal. I'm still putting my money on. Uh, He is not going to get a booster. His vaccine efficacy is waning, and he is going to be around a lot of super spreaders at a lot of super spreader events. So I reinstituted the Trump watch. Trump dies of COVID watch. Because I think that could happen literally at any time now. Trump is also attacking George W. Bush. Trump sends out message scolding Bush over his support for Liz Cheney. Former President Donald Trump sent out a message on Wednesday criticizing former President George W. Bush for his endorsement of Republican Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney. Rhino, former President George W. He even says W. w he even says W. W. D-U-B-Y-A. Bush and his flunky Karl Rove are endorsing warmongering and very low polling Liz Cheney. Bush is, one, uh, Bush is the one who got us into the quicksand of the Middle East. He's right about that. And after spending trillions of dollars and killing nearly a million people, the Middle East was left in worse shape after 21 years than it was when he started his stupidity. Broken clock, man. It ended with Biden's most embarrassing in history withdrawal from Afghanistan to total surrender, leaving $85 billion of equipment and many young warriors' lives behind. That's not true. Trump will be in Georgia this weekend. Apparently, he's still trying to overturn the results in Georgia. I saw the story the other day, and I just assumed it was something out of the book. And I'm like, oh, we already know that. No, no, no. Like, he's still trying to overturn the results in Georgia. 
This is from the Atlanta Georgia, uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution. When Donald Trump arrives in Georgia this weekend, it will be more of an all-day spectacle than a simple campaign rally. And it's all designed to show that the former president's grip on the Georgia GOP remains as firm as ever. Long before Trump arrives Saturday at the state fairgrounds in Perry, organizers will broadcast the University, uh, University of Georgia football game to early arrivers who donors will shell out $1,500 a ticket and will hang out with powerful politicians at a reception in the comfort of an air-conditioned tent. By powerful politicians, they probably mean Marjorie Taylor Greene. When the speeches began, a Trump-endorsed slate of candidates headlined by U.S. Senate candidate Herschel Walker will take the stage. And after Trump ends his remarks, fireworks are planned to entertain the gathered thousands. In short, in short, it's a super spreader event. It's a show of force from a former president singularly resolved to remain a kingmaker in state GOP politics. Since Trump narrowly lost Georgia in November, becoming the first Republican presidential candidate who failed to carry the state since 1992, he's devoted enormous energy towards overturning the state's election results. He pressured Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to find enough votes to invalidate Joe Biden's victory, um, badgered Governor Brian Kemp to call an emergency special session to nullify the results, and cheered on an internal Republican war over his defeat. While he's gone on an extended score-settling tour since Biden took power, he's kept a particularly close eye on Georgia. Of the roughly 40 candidates he's endorsed in about two dozen states, three have involved Georgia candidates. He's publicly disavowed four other Georgia GOP politicians. Much of the vitriol has come in the form of dozens of mass emails that have knocked Kemp's policies, attacked Raffensperger, promoted lies about widespread election fraud, or trumpeted candidates who have embraced his false narrative. Most recently, he sent Raffensperger a letter pushing him to take the impossible step of decertifying the election. Most recently, as in just the other day, or we just found out about it the other day. State election officials have said there's no indication of fraud after three ballot counts and multiple investigations and court challenges. The fact is that President Trump did not carry Georgia, Raffensperger has said in response. Trump's fixation on Georgia has deepened the fault lines for Republicans trying to recover from his loss and the U.S. Senate runoff sweeps by Democratic John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. Former President is backing Walker, Herschel Walker, even though he lived in Texas until August and has a history of violent behavior that raises questions about his electability. Like a perfect candidate for Trump to endorse, like Walker, the other two statewide candidates Trump has endorsed have also uh, vouched for his attempts to overturn the state's election. U.S. Representative Jody Heiss, a candidate for Secretary of State, tried to block electoral college certification, and State Senator Burt Jones, his pick for lieutenant governor, has appeared at Trump won rallies. Trump's most... Uh, Am I just blanking on how to say this word? Acerbic. Acerbic. Especially of a comment or style of speaking. Sharp and forthright. Trump's most acerbic pushback, though, is reserved for Kemp. After a 2018 endorsement that fueled Kemp's runaway victory in the GOP runoff, Trump turned on Kemp in 2020, calling him a moron. Well, I mean, Trump's right about that, but all right-wingers are morons. 
And he said he should resign for refusing to summon legislators to the Capitol to overturn the results in November's election. Would you believe me if I told you that Donald Trump is not the dumbest person in the Trump family? At least according to Mary Trump. Hear what she had to say. She is being sued by Donald nomination because that's what cults do wait second who is behind whom um who is he behind i think was it desantis it was somebody like oh, oh it depends where it, trump and desantis it depended which poll i think it's at cpac or one of them desantis was ahead i forget which one and at the west but i saw barely jr in one of them oh, trump jr yeah oh God. i don't remember i wish i had it maybe it was in one of the, the early states or something i don't know is but he, he was in there some... still um, first I think so, yeah. Donald Wait, Jr. you know, Mary, I don't remember if we got into enough previous broadcasts about Don Jr. Is he, I mean, what the hell is going on with him? He seems very odd to me. He seems a little dumb, but I've learned sometimes dumb isn't dumb. <laughs> but he also seems just, he reminds John me of John can ask like, things that are very sort of, in a way, offensive in such a sincere way. Well, it's, it's not offensive to her. Has. It's no, not no, no, I know. But it doesn't even sound the way you say it offensive to anybody. You say it in such a nice way. Oh, Okay. I always credit the Brits for doing that. Aren't you a little right. fucker? <laughs> You're like, exactly. oh, I love your accent. <laughs> Aren't you? A- <laughs> um, okay, I'll let it go. There was yeah. a question there about Don Jr. So I don't know if you want to. What's his deal? <laughs> What's his deal? You know what I mean. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, um, just in terms of the situation into which he was born, he does share some, she shares that with my dad. You know, oldest son of um, quote unquote powerful person. I mean, I think Donald's the weakest person on the planet, but, you know, he's been propped up so much that clearly, uh, even though he didn't deserve it, he had a lot of influence. He had a lot of money, all of which was my grandfather's money. Uh, He had a lot of connections. So I think Donnie was born with the same expectation my father was born with, um, which was. You're the oldest son. You carry the name, right. not just the last name, but you know you are the namesake, and you must follow in the footsteps and surpass right. uh, what your father has accomplished. And you must do, do it. Be dumber and crazier. He's on his way. His, um, preferences, right? Um, that because my dad was a good person, I believe it. It killed him. You know, he just couldn't. He couldn't live up to the unreasonable expectations my grandfather had. So he tried to strike out on his own, was incredibly successful. He became a pilot, a jet pilot, uh, at the dawn of the jet age. Right. You know, right. he flew for TWA, which is a big deal in 1964. Yeah. He couldn't sustain it, you know? So he ended up going back into the business and, and um, that was it. By the time he was 26, his life was essentially over. Uh, Donnie... <clears throat> is uh, weak in a different way. Hmm. Um, He had no intention of striking out on his own. He had no intention of doing anything but sucking up uh, and towing. And sucking. And the problem is, one of the problems is that, um, and not, you know, who, who ever knows how this happens, but kind of the same thing happened to him that happened to my dad. My grandfather, for whatever reason, didn't like my father. And saw something in his younger sibling, Donald. Right. Um, 
and because this is the only thing that's weird is that Donald did the same thing, but with a, a, a child who was a female. Like my grandfather never would have looked to either one of his daughters. Well, that's because that's because Donald had this thing. This is because Trump wants to fuck Ivanka, and like Donnie was left in the dust. And that's weird. Uh, and yet he still tried. Ivana. In yes. fact, I mean, I I think he. Which one's the daughter? Now has no core. Is no. Ivanka was the mom. Ivana is the daughter. And he'll, you know, he'll yeah. out Donnie. Sorry, yeah. he'll out racism anybody. He'll out misogyny anybody. He'll out shoot it. You know, he'll shoot as many innocent animals as possible to uh, get. I am so glad that I've gotten to a point that I that I don't even remember what her fucking name is. Ivanka. I confused her with Ivana. The that's your mom, right? I'm f- I'm glad I'm forgetting this shit. I'm glad I forgot your fucking name, woman. That is how little space you have occupied in my mind for the last nine months, maybe even longer. Oh. <sighs> All right, content warning on this one. Arguably, I should have I should have done that before I started talking about Trump. Okay, so now we know that the shooter at the Kroger was a employee. This was the press conference earlier. Um, as this uh, investigation investigation has progressed. Uh, we're trying to coordinate our information flow. So all the information... Two people are dead, 13 are injured. This is outside of Memphis in Tennessee. Uh, I'll be speaking on their behalf. Uh, we don't want to confuse, and I definitely don't want to create any additional fear in the community. Right now, there are no... Really shitty audio, so let's just go ahead and read the story. Chaos unfolded at the Collierville Kroger following the deadly mass shooting early Thursday afternoon. Multiple law enforcement sources close to the investigation confirmed the shooter was a disgruntled employee. However, it is not clear if they worked for Kroger or a vendor. The shooting happened around 1.30 p.m. SWAT officers entered the building and started clearing each aisle. They also worked to get people who hid in freezers and locked offices out safely. Twelve people were injured and two people, including the shooter, have been pronounced dead. Okay, so only like one victim. Their conditions range from minor to extremely serious. The shooter is dead of what police believe to be a self-inflicted gunshot. If you're just if you're just gonna go, just gonna kill yourself, why you gotta take innocent people with you? Fucking incel shit. Police Chief Dell Lane called this the most horrific event to happen in Collierville history. The Kroger is closed until further notice. There were 44 employees inside the store at the time. In Alabama, at two different schools, something has been going on. A tragic incident happened somewhere in Colbert County. Maybe it's Colbert. County. Colbert Eight schools there are now closed tomorrow. Those are Cherokee Elementary School and Leeton Elementary. In a statement, Colbert County Superintendent asked for prayers for everyone involved in, quote, this tragic incident. 
All other Cobber County schools are in session. To- we, we don't know what the tragic incident is, though. There are now closed tomorrow. That's that's all the details that we have, which is weird. Because you would think they would give some indication of what the tragic incident was. Just like an hour away, Deschler High School to have more police after a violent threat found and contained. Remember, kids, shoot up drugs, not schools. The discovery of a violent threat at Deschler High School is leading to an increased police presence at the school. The threat against the school is found written in a bathroom stall at about 12.15 p.m. on Thursday. This led to the school being placed on lockdown and the Tuscumbia Police Department being called. Threats of this nature are not to be taken lightly in the social environment that we are currently living in today. According to the Tuscumbia Schools Superintendent, Louisville School in Kentucky was on lockdown as well. I don't know if this has to do with the shooting yesterday that happened in Louisville. And teachers headed to the football field. That former student is in the hand of police. WHS 11's L. Smith has been there all afternoon long. And L, the big question remains, was a gun ever discovered? Yeah, so this is a completely different incident than the drive-by shooting at a Louisville school bus stop that we covered yesterday. Doug, no, a gun was not discovered, but LMPD and JCPS could not confirm nor deny that a gun was in the building in the first place. They said that's going to be a part of their investigation. But what we do know right now is this active aggressor was a former student who was now detained. He was found off campus. Now, this all started around 1 p.m. when Jefferson Town Police Department and LMPD were called on reports of an active aggressor. And the school immediately went this all happened around the same time today. What the, what the, was there some kind of like sonic wave that went off that made some people fucking act crazy today at around one o'clock? What the, what the fuck? Into heightened security protocol. We talked to mothers who said their children were hiding behind their desks with the doors locked. The children were then evacuated to the football field. It wasn't until around 3 p.m. Some kind of Havana syndrome. Despite there being no injuries, the entire sound wave shit set some people off. He said that he's just okay, but he's scared, and he's like, Mom, I really don't want to go to school tomorrow. And I'm just like, that's fine. That's that's an appropriate response. It's scary. Of course. I've Thank fucking Darwin, I'm not a a kid in school where I would be scared shitless to go to school between the fucking COVID bullshit and all the school shootings. Oh, man. But hey, the parents are pissed off about critical race theory and anal sex. That's, that's what we get at school board meetings. Of course, you're not going to want to go to school the next day. 
Now, Sabrina and other parents were frustrated at the rate at which JCPS was communicating information today. Sabrina herself did not receive any alerts, while other parents did get a text update from the school around 1.20, saying the school had been put into heightened security protocol, but all students were safe. But JCPS say they followed all of the necessary protocol and alerted parents when they could. When I say with our families, we needed to make sure that we were able to contact our families here at Jefferson Town High School first to let them know what was going on. Um, but more important than making sure we have this information as fast as we can, we want to make sure that we have the information correct to our families. Um, so we were working very quickly to make sure we had confirmed information that we could share with our families as soon as possible. Uh, and we were able to share that through text messages. Now, again, that aggressor has been detained, and again, there were no injuries. Oh, good on that. Shit. Staying in Louisville, an infuriating story for me, on a, a story that I've been covering since I heard about it, like May, June of last year. It really didn't get a lot of attention until after the the George Floyd incident. A cop involved in the Breonna Taylor case. I can't say that he was charged for the killing of Breonna Taylor because he wasn't. He was charged with uh, wanton endangerment for shooting into the apartment next to Breonna Taylor. LMBD detective charged in the Breonna Taylor raid gets back... Charged in the Breonna Taylor raid, no one has been charged for the death of that innocent young lady, which is still disgusting. Half of his bond money. Today, a judge ordered half of Brett Hankison's $15,000 cash bond to be given back to him. His attorney originally asked for all the money to be returned. He says Hankison... Also, that's a thing in Kentucky. Until I got arrested years later in Tennessee for driving... Uh, on a suspended license for no insurance, but my license wasn't suspended for any any like major reason. I was on a college campus. I didn't care. My like truck was broke down. I got arrested in Tennessee, and that's the first time I ever came in contact with with like third party bill systems, which are bullshit. Holy fuck! Because in Kentucky, you just put up your 10% of whatever your bond is. Like, you do it, your family does it, whatever the fuck. You put up the 10%. If you don't show up for court, whoever paid it is on the line for the rest of the money. And they, they keep your 10%. I thought that's the way it was across the entire country. No, it's not. And the for-profit bill system is fucked up. So the jail will not let you post your own bond. You have to get a bail bondsman to come and bond you out. And you pay them the 10% and you don't get the 10% back. 15% or whatever the fuck it is. You don't get it back. They keep it. That's the fee. Makes no sense whatsoever to me. 
This motherfucker just like, he put up cash himself. And is having financial problems and can't find a job because of his pending criminal. Well, yeah, you suck at your job. You're a piece of shit. I, why should we care that you're having financial problems? Good you're having financial problems. Good, motherfucker. You should be behind bars. His attorney originally asked for all the money to be returned. He says Hankison is having financial problems and can't find a job because of his pending criminal charges. The judge acknowledged that the former detective has not missed a court appearance and is not a threat. She ruled Hankison... Not a threat! ...back and the court will keep the rest. Hankison faces two wanton endangerment charges for shooting into neighboring apartments during the raid that killed Breonna Taylor. Nobody has been charged for killing Breonna Taylor. That is infuriating to me. Video coming out of Texas. Now I'm probably going to have to put the, the content warning up again for her. Harland police used taser on a woman. I can't see what the what the video says here. Let's... A woman claiming she's pregnant is tased by Harold. <sighs> it said that claims she's three something, and it must have been like three months or something pregnant. God damn! And it was caught on camera. An eyewitness sent us the video asking K two U eleven to investigate. Tonight, our Grace White joins us with the story you will only see on K H O U eleven News. Grace. Here at the Pearland Police Department, we've learned they've launched an internal review into these two officers. And we've also learned the woman at the center of this investigation is the sister of Dion Ledette. He's the man killed in a shootout with Houston police two days ago that left one officer dead and another injured. In the video, you can hear a woman who KHOU 11 has chosen not to name pleading with Pearland police officers and people on the street recording, trying to defuse the situation. Calm down. Just cal- it's better if you calm down. Then you hear an officer breaking her window. While a child. Fuck you, pigs. With a kid in the back seat. Pieces of shit. And the woman screams she is three weeks pregnant. You can hear her saying her brother was killed two days ago by police. My brother just got killed by the police two days ago. Apparently in police tell KHU 11 the woman was pulled over for speeding in a school zone this morning in the 2000 block of Kirby Drive. For speeding. Was going 48 in a 20. As he approached the vehicle, the driver... Doubt. She might have been speeding. She wasn't going 48. They're lying. Cops lie when they don't have a reason to lie. The department says the officer followed her into a neighborhood. Then she stopped and a second officer arrived. Police say the officers gave several verbal commands to get out of her car, but she resisted. Then they say she made a sudden reaching motion to the backseat of the car. That's when police confirm a taser was deployed twice. Why are you asking her to get out of a vehicle for a a minor traffic infraction? Why? They say she was checked out by EMS before being transported to the Brazoria County Jail. 
The child in the car was released to family on scene. We are extensively trained in de-escalation. Bullshit! Go fuck yourself. Extensively trained in de-escalation, my ass. Fuck you. Lying sack of shit. ...to handle situations without resorting to force. Unfortunately, sometimes we are not given that... Fuck off. For speeding. ...what we need to do per our training um, to, in effect, a, a safe controlled arrest. That family told us tonight when we spoke to them, they wanted to wait to speak to her before commenting on what happened. No, no, they are trained in, in like that, that course they all still take. It used to be required at several of the police departments across the country. It was called killology. Several of them still go on their own and take the killology course. Fuck off. Trained in de-escalation, my ass. Alabama. I don't I don't think there is anything violent going on here, but a cop actually has some uh bullshit to mouth off to a woman about. Write me one now. Please do. Please write me one now for the tag, please. I mean go ahead and write me one if you want. So she was being pulled over for a ma- uh, a malfunctioning tag light. So the little light that illuminates your fucking uh, license plate. So it wasn't even the tail light. It was the tag light. The little itty bitty light that illuminates your license plate she was pulled over for. You want to write me one, just please I do it. I want to write you one. Well, then why do you keep on with me, man? It, it's a shame that God allowed people like you to breathe. Excuse me. Piece of shit. Huh? Go back, go back with your trash indicators. Get out Do of what now? I said go back with your trash indicators. Get, get. Back to your trash indi- A Priceville officer, let me tell you, I am from... I'm in Alabama right now. A Priceville resident has no business telling somebody that lives in Decatur that they are trash. I promise you. I would much rather live in Decatur than Priceville. I wouldn't want to live in Decatur, though. Get out of here. Trash? You don't know where, where I am or what I come from. I know all about you, believe it or not. Okay, you do? You don't know You know about my past and my criminal history. Uh, you better shut your mouth. Is that all? Where are the right-wingers that are upset about the overreach of the state? This is overreach of the state. But hey, you know, we've got a, we got a savior here. It's the rock. I can't access the story? Not the rock is in, you know, know your role. Rock is in rock aware. Jay-Z going after the Kansas City police. 
A philanthropic organization led by rapper Jay-Z is seeking police files and other records related to officer misconduct in the Kansas City, Kansas Police Department. Team Rock is the criminal justice division of Jay-Z's Rock Nation. Filed a legal request Monday in Wynette, possibly, I probably fucked that up. County District Court seeking investigative files, personnel records, and information on officer misconduct allegations. The department says it has released hundreds of pages of documents to the group, but state law does not require the release of personnel records and criminal investigation files. Rock Nation is asking the court to override the state law and make the documents public. Please. Give me reason to root for some Jay-Z for the first time in a while. An arrest warrant has been issued for Brian Laundrie for unauthorized use of credit cards related to the Gabby Petito case. The hunt for Brian Laundrie goes on. At least in the public eye, investigators are still focused on this 25,000-acre nature preserve. I didn't want to talk about this story yet again because it's getting enough attention, but I can transition it into something... uh, something else pertinent. They've been looking for Gabby Petito's fiancé for days hoping something, any kind of clue, will turn up. There was, however, a little movement today outside the laundry home in Northport. His silver Mustang that was once towed away by police as evidence, it's back. Fox 13's Josh Cassio is live at the home in Northport. He's going to have that development for us. But first, let's go to Kimberly Cuisan. She's at the Carlton Reserve. Anything at all come out of their searches? I think at this point people are wondering, why are they still there? Yes, Cynthia, that's a question that a lot of people have, and they haven't discovered anything yet, at least that they've told us. I spoke to a former FBI agent, and he says there's a good reason why these searches are continued. It's a very... So they got nothing. No new information to add, yet they did a three-minute hit on it. But now this increased attention to this case has actually allowed a lot of people to talk about the signs of abuse is absolutely heartbroken and it has also drawn attention to other cold cases of missing persons and that's pretty cool because i dig that people have responded to this with like oh a lot of indigenous people go missing A lot of people of color go missing and they don't get the same attention. A lot of trans people go missing and they don't get the same attention. Unfortunately, this story did not have a happy ending. The coroner's office told me a body that they recovered from the Illinois River near Peru, Illinois, is Jelani Day. Now his family is demanding answers about what exactly happened. The Danville native Jelani Day was a graduate student at Illinois State University studying speech pathology. His goal was to become a doctor. On August 24th, a professor reported him missing after he didn't show up for a meeting they had. So this is the story I referenced the first night that we did the Gabby Petito story. Pending further investigation. We didn't stop investigating it when we found the body um, and we're not going to stop until... Um, you know, the case is done. So if we still get 
Um, tips that come in, um, Detective Jones will still go through that. After seeing the resources put into the investigation into Gabby Petito's death, family and community members wanted more work put into solving Day's disappearance. Yesterday, Day's mother, Carmen, told me she was desperate to find her son and get answers about his case. He's educated. He's a productive citizen. And I can't get nobody to look for my son to provide us with those same resources, with that same help. And that's all I'm asking for. Investigators discovered a body in the Illinois River near Peru, Illinois, on September 4th. But it took until today, through forensic dental identification and DNA testing, for the LaSalle County Coroner's Office to confirm it to be Jelani Day. Day's cousin, Ariel Day, lives in Chicago. And she says he came to visit family and friends in the city just two days before he went missing. She says nothing about his disappearance or discovery makes sense. His dad actually has cancer, and Jelani is the bone marrow match for his dad. He oh, his dad God. Go and visit him at Northwestern Hospital, sit with him, um, you know, encourage him, pray with him. My message to anyone watching this, if you have loved ones and you have a brother, a nephew, a sister, a daughter. You, you, you don't know how this feels, but you could only imagine. If you see Jelani, if you hear any news, if, if anyone comes to you with any type of lead, call the police immediately. A somber day for the family, especially his mother, who had dedicated the last 30 days to finding Poor woman. his son. I love you so very much and I miss you. I love you, Jelani. Oh. Dad. So, at least that's a good thing to come from the Petito story is a more equitable... use of resources for people that go missing and yeah I wish my lights weren't so fucking bright and you wouldn't be able to see like my, my eyes tear up there oh let's do some funny shit let's I didn't realize it was gonna be so mm. let's make fun of some stupid ass right wingers uh, I have never played a clip of the Michaela Peterson podcast. <laughs> I don't know what made me want to play this, but hey, we're going to we're going to talk about the awe and wonder that makes people visionaries. This is a this is a uh, story about Steve Jobs, I do believe. So, let's laugh at how stupid these people are. And then we're going to talk about how big of a fraud Steve Jobs was. Create in a conversation with other people is for them to go think, wow, hmm, yes. And what wow is, I can't believe what I just saw, heard, or read. And with my suicidal patients, they couldn't believe what they felt because they felt hope. The hmm is, this is too good to ignore. And then the yes is, this is how I see we can use it sold. So for a year and a half, I played Steve Jobs coming back from the dead. I played him from 1996 to 2007 when he came back to Apple and introduced the iPhone to show a two-minute a, a two video, which was a 
dramatization of Steve Jobs discovering the mouse and the graphical user interface at Xerox Park. Smartest man in the room. You know. What? <laughs> That's not true. That's not true at all. You're thinking of Steve Wozniak, sir. Steve Wozniak invented the mouse and the GUI. Not Steve Jobs. Uh, this 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 is making me go, ah oh, these people are dumb. Uh. They're at Xerox Park. He sees the Xerox technician using the mouse and the icons, and he leans in, and you see on his face this wow. I- Wait a minute, is is he acknowledging? And then Wozniak man in the room says to the technician, can I try it? And so then he sits down and when his index finger touches the mouse and the icons go on the screen, he starts to sweat. (laughs) And Steve Wozniak is with him. And actually on this video clip, Wozniak gives some commentary and Steve Jobs looks back at Wozniak and Wozniak said, when he looked at me for the hmm, because Steve Wozniak was a thinker, Steve Wozniak said, I told him once they go there, they're not going back. They're not going to go back to typing. And then the video goes on and Steve Jobs is playing with the mouse. He acknowledges that Steve Jobs didn't invent it, but it very much made it. And then the clip sound with Walter Isaacson, who wrote one of the books. Like he did. They didn't know what to do at Xerox, but Steve Jobs went back to Apple, and here's the yes, and created the Macintosh. Steve Jobs didn't do fucking anything other than marketing. He was a good marketing mind. That's the kind of uh, fantastic insight you get from the Michaela Peterson podcast, the daughter of Jordan Peterson. Producer Dave likes to refer to her as Beef Daughter because she's on that all-beef diet. I didn't know about his stepkid hating his guts. All right, I'm a wrestling fan. Let's talk about some wrestling. I've seen this story all over right-wing media. This is Fox News we're reading from. WWE pins woke left with controversial new wrestler. Introducing Joe Gacy, who insists the ring is a safe space and he doesn't need male privilege. I will admit I have not watched the NXT program since they relaunched. Maybe I should. I've I've got Peacock. Is it on the Peacock still? I don't even fucking know. In the latest broadcast Tuesday of NXT 2.0, which showcases the up-and-coming pro wrestling stars from its developmental system, WWE introduced a character called Joe Gacy who immediately raised the eyebrows of fans in the arena and the TV audience when he started spouting some of the trademark rhetoric of the woke left. Tonight, this ring is a safe space. Because, yeah, us woke leftists would say that. We're, we walk into a room, like, there's a safe space in here now. Gacy said, sitting in a folding chair in the middle of the ring, the spotlight solely on him, NXT 2.0, is full of conflict 
From the smallest microaggression to the most heinous grudges, this is the place where we settle our differences. I come to you tonight with a mindset of conflict resolution where I don't need to use my male privilege to get what I want. Now, anytime the WWE has done a spot-on character, which... I was getting ready to use JBL as an example. I don't think he's a fucking character. He was just... He was just being himself playing a heel. (laughs) A right-wing fucking sociopath. A smattering of boos could be heard from the fans in attendance at the Capitol Wrestling Center in Orlando. It was unclear whether they found Gacy or his message offensive or if they objected to politics invading their pro wrestling sports entertainment safe space. But Gacy was under... Well, I'm assuming he's playing a heel. He was supposed to get booed. From the fans. He was undeterred as the camera zoomed in. His smile dripped with something that wasn't quite sincerity as he finished his monologue. Weird that I bet they didn't do a story on the new Daniel Bryan. Who also played a woke... Not played a woke leftist. Is a woke leftist. Is a vegan who doesn't own a TV and who advocates for far-left policies. He, he ha- his title belt was made out of hemp. <laughs> and what's the, what's the, what's the, uh, uh, fucking... But he was a heel, though. He was the savior of the planet. <laughs> he was awesome. That was, that was one of my favorite characters he's been in recent years. He's always, he's always awesome, though. So I I don't get why Fox is latching on to this one. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson? I don't think so. Maybe. Kenny Omega is openly bisexual, though. I... I... The character was well. Everything he was saying was true, and and that's that's what makes wrestling great, right? Like he was telling the, I'm playing the hill here. I'm speaking the truth, but fucking people don't want to hear it. So that makes for good hills. The the nation of domination in the '90s. They were like a new Panther Party, and they were the hills. That's where the Rock got his start. Alright, let's watch this cat snatch some bagels. And I think we get a song out of it. Oh, I'm sorry, my little troll face was blocking it there. Tell him, dude. I got this far, I didn't hear the song. Why not? Why not? 
Well, have you had an everything bagel? They were fantastic. I'm amazed that the kitten likes bagels. That's an itty bitty kitten, too. <laughs> like, none of my cats are going for bagels ever. Maynard does it with uh, sandwich meat. I don't know why motherfucking Maynard loves sandwich meat. Are you right here? Cats can have just a little sandwich meat as a treat. Right, if you are watching on Twitch, I'm going to send you over to Riggy the Great One. That'll do it for me tonight. Be sure to tune in tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern when I will be joined by my lovely co-host, Sparkles Lavendar, for the Friday Night Freak Show. Boring any internet issues. Hopefully we're good. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. We will see you tomorrow night on the Friday Night Freak Show.